Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. What if you could make a difference through your business to the world and drive even greater profits? Well, this week I'm joined by Yannick Silver. In addition to being the author of several best-selling marketing books, a guy who Entrepreneur Magazine identified as one of the 50 top digital marketing guys on the planet, Yannick is a guy who just wrote Evolved Enterprise, How to Rethink, Reimagine, and Reinvest Your Business to deliver meaningful impact and even greater profits. We'll talk about the idea of corporate social responsibility and what that really means, how to have an authentic tie-in between the missions that you want to serve in your business as well as in the community, and then how you can create a competitive advantage in your business for not only your customers, but employees by following the principles of the Evolved Enterprise. Hold on to your hats because you're really going to get a different perspective from Yannick Silver. Yannick Silver, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian. What's up? Thanks for having me. Hey, always great to talk to you, man. So your latest book, Evolved Enterprise, and I'm going to share with people the subtitle because I think it kind of encapsulates what this is all about, how to rethink, reimagine, and reinvent your business to deliver meaningful impact and even greater profits, which... Oftentimes, people don't see his hand in hand in terms of having impact and profit at the same time. And so tell me a little bit about the origin of the background and what motivated you to write Evolved Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, it's really been my own process and my own story from the last 15 or so years in business. Uh, I kind of got started uh, in in 2000 with the internet only, and and that really blew up and, and went really well. And 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 then from there, about eight years ago, I really looked at my life and and I asked, you know, kind of this slightly slightly hard, slightly easy question, which was, am I am I really happy? And it sounds like it should be a pretty pretty easy answer. And and if I was being completely honest, the, the answer was was no. And I was making a lot of money. I was helping a lot of people. I had a great reputation in the space. I you know you kind of name it outside in, it, it all looked great. But I just didn't feel like I was giving my most meaningful work out into the world or that there could be something more. So what was the, what was the conclusion? I mean, so you see, you said, all right, look, I'm not happy. I'm not impacting the world the way I want to. So what, what'd you do next? Uh, that, then I spent a lot of time thinking in my journal. So I, I do a lot of journaling and, and so I kind of came up with these, these three interconnected circles, which I then learned is called a Venn diagram. Very, very fancy. <laughs> and so if you kind of playing at home, the shorthand version of it was a dollar sign, a happy face and a heart. Yep. And, and so it was about, you know, growing, growing yourself, your business, uh, having, having fun and, and making a difference in some way. And so all those three together, I thought, okay, my ultimate be all end all would be this cool business called Maverick Business Adventures. I would take entrepreneurs who are my buddies and colleagues and we'd go off and do these crazy things like dune buggy racing and, and we had business sessions in the middle of nowhere, and, and there'd be some sort of charitable component. And it sounded really good, and, and I was super excited by it. And, and then the first trip happens, and, 
uh, spent about forty thousand dollars, thirty five thousand dollars, you know, lost on it. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. This is a whole different business model than what I was doing before. And you know, fast forward, and it's about two hundred thousand, or sorry, four hundred thousand dollars in. And my wife was like, well, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, that's a good question. <laughs> This, and this this underscores why it's very important for successful entrepreneurs to be married because we need our wives to look at us and say, what the hell are you doing? And that's when we have that epiphany. Yeah. I mean, so so I, I really think the universe kind of continues to bonk you on the head harder and harder, depending on uh, if you need to keep learning the lesson or not. And so one of uh, one of my previous books was called 34 Rules for Maverick Entrepreneurs. And one of the rules, I forgot the number, but was like bootstrap because – you know, anything else essentially just kills your creativity. And what I didn't do was bootstrap in this case because I had a pretty open checkbook with, and I wanted, and I was also that, that double-edged sword of that passion. So, you know, people always talk about follow your passion and, and you should, but at the same time, there has to be a pragmatic business side to it or, or a dollar amount that you say, okay, you're willing to, to, to go at and, and that's about it. And I didn't have that. And it finally took, you know, to really reevaluate and look at it. But I'm, I'm actually incredibly happy I went through that because it forced me to decide, you know, is my why big enough? And that's one of the pieces of, of Evolved Enterprise. But my why in this case, like it wasn't big enough to get, just go build an adventure travel company for entrepreneurs. Like that's not my end all be all of, of what I was going to be in my, in my life. And it forced me to go back and look at it. And so it, it came with a much bigger vision of what we call now changing the way business is played. And so that forced me to go back and look at all these pieces and, and essentially move the adventure travel company into more of uh, uh, a, a network of entrepreneurs that we run now. And it's really starting to fulfill what, what I really sought out to do. And, and so this evolved enterprise, all these pieces along the way of kind of like rebuilding and refiguring out things to, to truly come at it from a way that almost feels like you were, you were destined or designed to, to build this business that – that only you could create and has a cause wrapped around it. And it gets your, your customers to want to buy more. It gets your, your team engaged in a bigger way and, and totally aligned. And it also drives your bottom line. Yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, I, I had the good fortune of joining you on one of these trips at to Vegas and for, for our listeners benefits, I just want to kind of describe where you had an agenda over several days and some of it was collaborating with your peers about different business concepts. And you'd have someone who was a speaker talk about different, um, kind of emerging concepts or ideas or strategies from a business standpoint. We did some cool adventure stuff. Some people were, were flying in planes and some people were, um, were out um, where we went to um, machine gun Vegas. Uh, if I recall correctly, you took out part of a ceiling there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, and, and on the agenda was this visit to this place, Opportunity Village. Yep. which was like 45 minutes out. And I will tell you that when I was going, I'm like, oh, and then we're going to this like, you know, nonprofit to talk to them about their business. And I will tell you that it was the single most memorable bar- part of the trip for me. So how did you, how did your business evolve to include that? And, and does everyone have that same reaction that I did? Like, like, wow, I'm doing this other stuff. And it's actually, that's the best part of the trip. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, because it's like our members and entrepreneurs I talk to, they all come in for different things. Some of them want the hardcore business stuff. Some of them want even more ways of making a difference. And some of them want the adventure stuff. But it it really is sometimes almost like that that pill that you give your dog and, and it's wrapped in the middle of cheese. It's like, it's like, oh, 
yeah, there's there's something really really meaningful about this, and and so we we choose our cause partners pretty carefully about where we think that we can have a, a tremendous impact because we I rely more on we, we we have an impact fund, and so it's kind of built into the membership model where where members pay a certain amount, and ten percent of it goes into our impact fund, and that's used for for donations to hopefully jumpstart projects that we we come up with together. But I really think that there's more leverage in, in the brain power and the resources and, and the network that the members bring to it. So that's, you know, that's always been kind of a, a piece of it. Like I said, the, all those three pieces have always been there, but it, we really have changed up the way, the way it's delivered now to, to really be more in line with, with creating this, this global collective of, of entrepreneurs. And, and we all, we're all wired that way. Ian. we all want to like, we, we want to be part of something bigger and have a, have more meaning in, in what we do. Yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, for me, it's funny because we all went out there and it was like, I think there was for some of us and I'm putting myself in this camp, it was like, all right, so we'll spend a couple hours here right. and then we'll leave. And it was, wait, we have to leave because here's this place that actually has figured out how to sustain, I think, 85% of their needs through all of their own operations. They literally have these people with mental disabilities who are now producing popcorn and cookies and and doing fulfillment for trade shows. And we literally sat with 50 plus of us, all entrepreneurs sitting in a room with their executive director and their leadership team. Basically, they would bring up their biggest challenges and then we would brainstorm as a collective group. And it was funny, the coolest part was getting an email from them six weeks later saying, here's the stuff we've done and the impact it's had on our organization, which I think every one of us in the room was like, wow, that was way better than anything else we did that week was seeing the direct impact there. Absolutely. I mean, I'm always about the ripple effect, right? Like you don't even know. And I know you spent a lot of time with Opportunity Village after that individually and helping them. And it's like the, the ripple effect for me is that you were in the room and I had the good fortune of bringing you out to Vegas for that. And then, and then what happens there? It's like you, you made an impact on Opportunity Village, which has an impact on thousands of, of people who, uh, who, who have uh, learning disabilities or physical disabilities. And it's just, you know, continues going from there. Yeah. So for a lot of companies, it's like, well, it sounds really good. And yeah, I, I suppose I could do stuff that helps the community. So I'm going to donate to it to some community project. But it really goes beyond that. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that companies make when they're trying to do something that is good? Like what are the, what are the flaws in how they might think about it and how should they think about it? So the number one thing I, I, I look at is the language that's used that, that companies will, will talk about this stuff. And, and I'm not a big fan of something that's become kind of popular called corporate social responsibility Yep, because you just look at the words of it. It's like, this is our responsibility and, and this is, you know, something we have to do. Like there's no real, gosh, I'm, I'm excited that, you know, our, our mutual friend, Jim McClinsky always talks about this, that I get to do this. Yep. It's something we have to do. That, that sort of sucks. That doesn't, that, that there's no real reason behind it. The other thing is that there's not a real authentic tie-in into what you're trying to do with, with your company. So, you know, it depends on if, I always look at there's there's almost like two ways of, of having the cause that's wrapped around what you're doing. It's it's either from the founder, there could be a, a real specific uh, just story or tie-in for them. Like for instance, I had I had one of our we have a group called Maverick Next, which are young entrepreneurs, 25 and under. Yep. I was working with them on these concepts, and one of the guys, uh, his father had died when he was 10 of I think uh, a brain tumor or something like that, or lung cancer. 
I can't remember which one, but, but, you know, pretty traumatic, obviously. And so he vowed that no other kid would have to go through this. And we worked through this, this concept of evolved enterprise. And that became one of the core missions of what he was doing, where we created something called the fit father project. So he was selling fitness information and, and content to other, to fathers so that their kids wouldn't have to go through this. And that was a core part of the story. And then the, the charity and the cause, the tie in was a it called, called Camp Kesem, where they take kids that are in, in families going through some of this stuff and, and let them go to camp. And so there's a really nice tie-in. And then we tied it into like a challenge where every pound of, of uh, weight that came off, he donated a dollar. And then also like a percentage of, of the profits were also uh, donated. So there's a really nice integral tie-in. So that's one way of looking at it. The other is that tie-in can come from your customers themselves. Like what's their sort of ultimate outcome? Like what do they want? What do they get excited by? And, and how can we, how can we relate to that? Like what we don't want to do is be the next Kentucky fried chicken that has pink buckets of chicken where we donate 50 cents to breast cancer research because we sell breasted chicken, which I never, I didn't get that until one of my friends pointed that out to me and then, uh, you know, not have a real authentic tie-in because a diet high in saturated fat has, has been proven <laughs> or linked to cancer. So there's no tie-in there. When you coin this term evolved enterprise, what do you mean by that? So if so, if someone's trying to get their arms around this and says, okay, what's Yannick really talking about? And obviously, they're going to get all the answers in the book. But when you say evolved enterprise, what do you mean? Because really, to me, this is like the future of business. And if you want to succeed in the future, this is the way you'll operate. And it's not that you have to operate that way. Using Joe's term, you get to operate that way. But what do you mean by an evolved enterprise? Well, let me step back for a second. Um, yeah, I think you hit it on the head that this is the future model for business for sure. I think there's a coming shift and, and it's already here and you can see the writing on the wall and we can go through some stats and research maybe in a little bit. But the, I think in the next four to seven years, if you're not operating with a core fundamental impact in what you're doing, you're at competitive disadvantage. And so if I had to maybe knock down what evolved enterprise really means in, in one or two succinct pieces, it would be that business can become one of the biggest levers for good while actually being good for your business. Yep. And it's just like you can truly put your full heart and soul into everything that you do, your product services, but then also your full effort into authentically inviting the right prospects in to buy. And this might get exciting for you when we start talking about the sales <laughs> piece too. I think one of the keys to this is when we talk about having a competitive advantage, if you, if you, take on this evolved enterprise versus a disadvantage if you don't. I think a lot of this also ties into the entrepreneurial mindset that millennials have. And in many respects, in the research that that I've seen on millennials, basically what it comes down to is millennials look at, okay, what's what's your bigger why? What is it that you're really impacting in the world that makes me want to believe in and support your brand? And if it's not aligned, the millennials, ironically, you know, when people say, oh, millennials don't have loyalty, they have great loyalty to brands they believe in. And if they don't believe in the mission of that brand, they'll leave it in a heartbeat. How much does that tie into this? All of it. I mean, so I see this happening from the inside out and the outside in. So the inside out is the millennials are, you know, a huge group of whether they're consumers, they're uh, team members, they're, uh, they're new founders of companies, whatever it is. From so that inside out, like they're they're just hardwired even more with this consciousness of 
of let's make a difference. And they like there's research that I've seen from Nielsen just recently where millennials are willing to work uh, for a, a less of a dollar or a paycheck uh, as long as the company they're working for has a bigger mission in what they're doing. Yep. So, you know, that's one piece. And then the outside in is the buying criteria like you were talking about. It's, um, you know, there's something, there's a tremendous amount. I think it was like 60% from this one survey I saw are willing to pay even more if a company has an impact piece that they're, that they're doing or making a difference on. And so regardless of whatever that number is, if you're matching up two different company offerings and one overtly has a better selling story that maybe both of them are making a difference in some way, but one has a better selling story of how they're making a difference, you're going to go with that one. So that's where the brand loyalty ties into is that, that mission. And then it's got to be authentic because we live in a pretty transparent world where, where you're going to get figured out if you're doing it for the wrong reasons or, or you're just kind of, you know, it's just more of a window washing kind of thing. Exactly. It's like, um, it's like our, our friend Barry Glassman at Glassman Wealth. You know, Barry does all these events at causes that are near and dear to him. So, you know, he, he had lost a, um, a good friend and unfortunately has lost other ones to brain tumors. So for years was involved in projects for, for brain tumor research and then recently realized that the, the hospice care for pediatric hospice was just completely underfunded. And his wife being a pediatrician in the community, they did something benefiting that organization. And people sit there and say, oh, you could do all these other marketing things. And he says, it's not about marketing. It's about making a difference. Yeah, and I, I love Barry. He's uh, you know, just a great person. And what I really also love about what he did there, that uh, – is it called Wine Night? It's uh, Yeah, Chef Night. Chef, Chef Night. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Chef Night where – so he took his love of – he has a love of food wine and of course uh you know good causes making a difference and you know you better believe that barry he he gets clients out of it but that that's not the main reason for it it's just something that you know you just see how much he loves doing it and and how much of his his full heart he puts into it uh to raise a tremendous amount of money in that one evening and it's a lot of fun you know you and i were both there this last oh, yeah. time and drank some great wine together and, and it's just uh, it's a great opportunity to bring together a community of people who who you enjoy spending time with, and and as a byproduct, it's going to help your business. Yeah, it's uh, who's it? Seth Godin says people like us do things like this. So if you build that community, it works. Now, how does this evolved enterprise concept impact employees when it comes to recruiting and retaining the top talent? Well, think about it. Like if you are an A player, which is the you know the the key term for for superstar. Who are you gonna rather? Who do you rather want to work with? Do you want to work with somebody who is just going to give you a paycheck, or someone who's going to really engage your full heart and your full self into something that that has a bigger meaning and and a big vision? Like the the best people in the world want to work for people and companies that have something that they're doing that that has a real purpose behind it. It's just you know again like the way we're all hardwired. So it's you know it's almost it's just self-explanatory in that way. Yep. Now you mentioned you gave a little bit of a teaser about stats and research. So talk about some of the statistics and research that for anybody who's not convinced already will understand why this makes sense to do. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about some with the Nielsen and the millennials and, and buying criteria, but one that I think really stands out for me that totally makes us absolutely pragmatic is there's a good book that's been out now for a while called firms of endearment. I think it's pushing I don't know, 10, 12 so years. 
And they looked at companies that had a really deep culture that were bigger companies like Container Store, Starbucks, um, Whole Foods, Southwest Airlines. And they compared these companies to uh, the S&P 500. And in over one or two years, it wasn't a real tremendous difference. Over five years, there's a little bit of a difference. Over 10 years, there's a thousand plus percent uh, return on investment difference between those companies and S&P 500 companies. And so to me, that's just a really great example of, you know, companies that they might look at what they do culture wise. They might look at all these other impact pieces as expenses, but really it, it comes out as, as a, as a bottom line increase when you, when you, when all is said and done. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think one of the, one of the great misnomers that I see is you'll get a CEO who isn't, let's say engaged in this and is asking this team, well, what's the ROI calculation on this? And I just think that's the wrong way to go about it. So how do you, how do you battle that kind of resistance? If you get someone who maybe isn't as enlightened, doesn't have that evolved enterprise mindset, how do you get them to think beyond just the, the short-term ROI, but that long-term, like you're seeing with these other businesses? Uh, hand them copy of the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I mean, I think you, like, so people are going to come at this from two ways, right? It's, it's just because it, it really feels like a way to put your, uh, a, a way to truly align your, your soul and, and with the true soul of your business with this more impact and, and meaning and happiness, which actually does inevitably create greater profits, or you're going to look at it from a completely pragmatic point of view and start looking at all these stats that's coming out from Nielsen and, and these other companies that are just pulling out these escalating percentages of, of what, what the buying criteria is for customers, what, what team members want. So it's like, you know, you're going to have to do it one way or the other. You're going to be kind of kicking and screaming and doing it uh, reluctantly or, or, or leading the charge, hopefully. Yeah. And, and I think I, and one of the, one of the things I often see is it's the people who, who do these quote community action programs or social programs where you can tell that it's not authentic, that it's not part of their culture, that they're just trying to make it look good. So you'll get somebody who says, oh, we're doing this in the community, but they they outsource to some third party. And it's the businesses where you see their team members involved. And all of a sudden, those team members get a different connection with each other than they ever get in work, which carries over into the work side of it, carries over socially. And now those people aren't switching to another company because someone's going to pay them 5% more because they see something bigger and brighter. So what are the first few things that people should do if they want to move toward an evolved enterprise? So to me, it always starts with you, right? So in our model, the whole, um, the whole philosophy of the evolved enterprise actually starts with the, the first circle uh, at the middle is, is you. So it's about evolving you first. So it's like if, if I have a, a cup of water and my cup is only half full. I can only pour out so much, right? But my my cup has to be completely full in order to serve the, the people around me first. And and so that really requires us as the founders, as entrepreneurs, to start looking at looking at ourselves. And it could be fun stuff from you know what do we love to do as a kid, and how do we incorporate a little bit more of that into like bringing our full selves into our business. Um, so for me, it was like being goofy. I was always kind of the class clown, and and no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. So I can't remember what we did on on the one that you were at, but we we do some silly, funny stuff. That uh, we did the uh, didn't we do 
did we do? We did a costume party. We did a costume party. Like a Halloween costume party. It was over the top. I think it was the uh, theme. Was it kings and queens? It was kings and queens, and then we (laughs) and then we marched around the city with you know fifty seventy five people all dressed in costume. When of course. No one else in the entire city is wearing costumes. And, and it's funny because as we did this, our group would grow and people would like – people would want to hang out with this group and they would like walk into a shop and like buy something that made it so they could kind of have their own little costume. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Yeah. I mean people want to hang out with other people that are having fun and, and that's also – it's got to be a genuine piece, right? Like it, it wasn't made up. Like just for me, I just love the goofiness and the silliness and so – the, the costume stuff is is fun, uh, yeah. So we, we do that kind of things, and that that gets incorporated and built into what we do as a company and and what I bring to it. The other part of that may not be as as fun to look at is is your shadow side, looking at uh, you know the part that you don't always want to show the world and what's what's maybe the underside of of your. So if if you know, let's take that aspect right that that goofiness that fun part of me. The shadow side of that is feeling like you have to be the the party starter, have to be the instigator, the, the catalyst to get things going. And if if I'm only on one side of it and I'm not actually examining the other side, like why do I need to why do I need to be the person that does that? Why can't you know someone else do that? Or why can't I just create a sandbox that other people can do that? Like if I felt like I had to be the only one to do it, then that shows up in all sorts of other ways. And then you start getting burnt out on being that person. That's always the, uh, I don't know, the instigator of the party. But for me, a a deeper shadow that I looked at was like never putting a hundred percent in. And I could see that developing. Even if I look back at a pattern, like uh, college show up, you know, drinking bourbon from the night before and show up to an eight 30 lecture test, be the last one in, borrow a pencil, be the first one out, get like a solid B minus or something and, and just blow out of there. And, you know, that, that showed up kind of all through, all through my life where I never totally fully put a hundred percent of my heart and soul into something because then it gave me a little bit of a, of an excuse to, if, if something didn't quite work out the way that, that uh, I wanted it to. And, and so that was really interesting to, to look at during this period of, of things kind of going sideways and figuring out what I was doing. And that was one of the things I looked at and, and truly putting my full heart and soul into something. And, and, and then the other kind of corollary to that was not being attached to what happened to the result. And that's maybe a, a longer philosophical question or conversation, but that was really interesting to start being disassociated from what happened and, and disassociating as an entrepreneur our, our self-worth from our net worth and and being able to to make our business separate from from who we are as a person and you know all those things are really important to look at as you're evolving yourself so so basically your three steps let me see if I got these is first it starts with you so figure out kind of what makes you tick and what's going to make this enriching and valuable for you then look at your kind of your shadow side and how you overcome how you compensate for that and then in essence how are you going to measure the results or the impact of what you're doing so it's not just some philosophical thing but what are you going to see in the community and not thinking of it in terms of how's this going to impact your business but how's this going to impact others yeah so for number number three the the impact side to me it's how do we wrap that cause all the way around there our business of what we're doing. So it, hopefully it's even baked in and maybe get to a few examples of that, of how that happens automatically. But it's, it's like, how do we, 
make it authentic and genuine to who either who we are, or who the, the, the customers are that we serve, that we want to be uh, addressed to. Yeah. So, so give me, give me one example of that. The baked in part. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you a really interesting one that, so I talk about in the book going from a transactional company to transformational to even transcending what, what business can be. And a really interesting example is this company called ultra testing. And so we were talking before about, um, about uh, Opportunity Village, who works with uh, people with disabilities. And so this company, they'll hire people on the autism spectrum scale. And what they do is they do uh, cross-browser platform testing, quality control testing, you know, things like that for, for bigger companies. And they will hire people on the autism spectrum scale because they want people who, are, uh, who, who thrive in an in a environment where they like the repetitive nature of a task. They like uh, their more attention detail they are okay with, uh, you know, all these different pieces. And so it actually, what could be a disadvantage turns into a competitive advantage. Wow. Like to me, that's a really, really fascinating way of, of taking something and, and respinning it into a, into a great selling story and, and it helps your, your business. That's, that's, that's a, uh, that's a great message and a great lesson for people because it's easy to say, Oh, this person, th- this wouldn't work, but Really, at that point, you're taking somebody who looked at the things that would make it difficult for them to work in other environments actually makes them the best fit for that one. Totally. Yeah, that's cool. So what's the what's the single greatest lesson that listeners should take away to to kind of evolve their enterprise? (laughs) Uh, I think it's it's a constant evolution, right? It's it's thinking about how what is. What is the way that we can serve the the collective whole? Which, funny enough, or I don't know, just in a, in a great way that the universe is is created that actually serves us as well. And and you see this on an individual level. It's like the more um, the more we're able to to give and make a difference, the the more it actually comes back to us. And then as a company, it, it's the exact same thing. It's like how do we how do we develop something that it, it's like all these like my brain. So I was wired. Uh, a marketing copywriter. That's my background. And so like all these little pieces, like, so the ultra testing that we talked about, like all those are just amazing hooks and positioning for great selling stories and, and great marketing. So it's like a way to combine our, our head, which is our business sense, our marketing sense and our hearts, which is, you know, the way that we can make a greatest impact. And it actually, it, it all really works and flows really well together. That's very cool. So, hey, Yannick, what's the best way for people to get a to get a hold of you? Obviously, to find the book Evolved Enterprise, and also to learn about the uh, Maverick organization. So, for the book, it's just uh, evolvedenterprise.com, and we're we're in the process of essentially giving away ten thousand copies of the book at at cost. And you know, there's a lot of transparency on the site, talking about how much it costs us to print and publish, and and we're almost at that ten thousand dollar or ten thousand bookmark. So, looking at seeds to spread in the world. And then uh, as far as Maverick, it's just uh, maverick1000.com. Yeah, and the Maverick 1000, I mean, for, for the CEOs and entrepreneurs out there, definitely take a look at it. I mean, it's uh, you guys really make it so that making a difference in the world and having a good time and learning something, I mean, the way you're able to pull that all together with events that are just run like a Swiss clock is just amazing. So, uh, And, of course, all this information will be in the show notes. So, Yannick, thanks for playing, man. Thanks, Ian. It's been fun. Yannick is a guy who lives what he talks. I've never seen a guy so committed to explosive growth and at the same time be so passionate about improving the world. 
Let me give you three key takeaways you can use and apply to your business. First, I love how he cites Joe McClinsky, who says, we get to do this, not we have to do this. So remember, these are things that you get to do. You want to make sure you have an authentic tie into your business. And then remember, it starts with you and you want to measure the results and impact and make sure that you wrap the cause around your business, not just something you're doing tangentially. Remember, this program gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the show, if there's a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a note at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at growmyrevenue.com.